This is episode 10 with John Miller, founder and CEO of Engageo on how to plan, deploy, and measure an account-based everything strategy. Have you ever wondered about what other SaaS companies are doing to grow their business? What channels are they experimenting with? Where are they finding traction? Welcome to How to SaaS, the go-to podcast for growing your cloud software company. I'm your host and growth strategist, Shiv Narayanan. I'm also the CMO of Wild Apricot, the number one membership software for small associations and nonprofits. Each week, we'll bring you interviews with founders, CEOs, and growth leaders who have successfully implemented a growth strategy to help you take your cloud software company to the next level. Are you ready? Let's begin. All right, John, welcome to the show. How's it going? I'm great. How are you? Good. Uh, so just for the audience, why don't you just introduce yourself, your journey through Marketo, and what you're trying to accomplish with Engageo? Well, sure. Yeah, so I'm currently the uh, CEO and co-founder here at Engageo, which is an account-based everything platform. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, previously, I'm sort of better known in my, for my prior role, where I was the co-founder and original chief marketing officer for Marketo. There, I, was about, I worked there for about 10 years built the kind of all the original marketing and demand generation and content functions, helped to kind of, you know, build that company, you know, through the IPO and a couple of years after that, uh, and left about a year and a half ago to start Engageo. Mm-hmm. And Marketo just actually got uh, acquired for $1.8 billion, so congratulations on that front. Yeah, thank you. So that's the, except for exact target, that turns out that's the largest exit or acquisition in the marketing technology space. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and they did it over quite a short period of time uh, when you look at the software companies that have grown to over a billion dollars, right? Uh, well, you know, Marketo, the Marketo journey was... Uh, Marketo turned 10 years old this year. I know that because we started Marketo the same month that my son was born, which has always made it really easy to keep track of how you know Marketo is. So, <laughs> you know, I think your 10 years, I mean, very fast, good, good growth. I'm very, you know, very proud of that. Um, I actually, you know, think it's it's one of the fastest growths, but not necessarily the fastest. Mm-hmm. And and so now you're at Engageo, and you left a year and a half ago. So let's talk about about that. Like, what what drove you to create something like Engageo? Because it, it's it's a bit of a different concept, but it connects to the world that Marketo initially tried to create, right? So what what was what what are you so passionate about that led to the creation of Engageo? Sure. Well, you know, I've been in marketing technology my entire career. I started right after college at a consulting firm that spun out a firm called Exchange, which ended up being the leading marketing technology of the mid-90s. After business school, then I went to Epiphany, which was the leading marketing technology of the internet bubble. Uh, And then after we sold Epiphany, that's when Phil and I started Marketo back in 2006 and leading marketing technology the last 10 years. And so pretty much my whole career has been in marketing technology uh, building big, big, exciting companies in that space. Um, but I love the startup phase. I really love starting companies and building them, uh, creating something from scratch. And so as much as I loved Marketo, uh, as it got bigger and bigger, you know, across 800 people, you know, 1,000 people, you know, for me personally, it became time to start something new. And I wanted to stay in marketing technology, and I wanted to find an idea that was big enough to build a big company, but also wouldn't be directly competitive with Marketo or the other marketing platforms. 
and that's where this whole idea of account-based marketing uh, kind of came came to life, you know, because it just makes sense to be account-centric, and I'll talk more about why that's true in a second. But you know, Marketo and the other existing marketing systems were were lead-centric, and it just you couldn't do account-centric things with those platforms. So building uh, an account-centric system just seemed like a great opportunity. And as you know, everything account-centric has just become, you know, the rage in B2B marketing over the last year. Mm-hmm. And so, so talk more about that. Account-based marketing is this, is almost like this uh, revitalized buzzword that's been going around the industry. But there are a lot of people on the call who've heard about it, but maybe don't know enough uh, details. So maybe you can bring it back down to the basics. Like, what do we mean by account-based marketing? Yeah. Well, let, let me first say, you know, I think account-based marketing is a misnomer. You know, I think it's the wrong name to talk about this thing because as I get into defining it, what you're going to see is we're talking about something that's much bigger than marketing. It brings in sales. It brings in sales development. It brings in customer success. So actually, we've been calling it account-based everything. Now, what is account-based everything? I think the best analogy is to look to fishing. And... I think, you know, the, 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 the traditional marketing model, the kind of marketing I did at Marketo, that's fishing with a net where you have some offer or a campaign and you put it out there and you catch fish with that, in that net. And you don't care which specific fish you caught. You just care, did I catch enough total fish? Then you run them through a funnel and you nurture them and you score them. And that's how that process works. Yeah, and then you hand it to sales. Account-based everything is more like fishing with spears because you don't want to wait around for the right people from the right companies to swim into your net, right? You're going to need to find a proactive way to reach out to them, uh, to, you know, to connect with them. And, you know, as I said, that's, that's more of an outbound approach, more of a spearfishing approach. So that's it in a nutshell, right? We're talking about fishing with spears. Now, oh, so I was going to kind of break down what that means and kind of, you know, how you start to think about doing that. So I think, you know, an an overly simplistic model is to break it down into your who, then your what, and then your where. So by the who, that starts with which accounts do I want to go after? That is the foundational element of success here. For marketing and sales to agree on these are the target accounts that we want to pursue. And it's a little more subtle than that because in the best case, you don't just have a flat list of accounts. You prioritize them into tiers. You might have a list of tier one accounts, which are whales. You know, the big accounts that are worth a lot. And for those accounts, you're going to do very deep research and personalization where every account effectively has its own account plan and gets customized campaigns, customized interaction plans. That works great. Actually, according to the ITSNA, who founded the term account-based marketing, that approach has a higher ROI than any other B2B marketing strategy. So that deep, deep, deep relevance and research works great, but it's hard to scale. And that's why you also have tier two accounts, 
which are still going to get individual research, still going to get some customized interactions, but it's just lighter overall. And you can have a couple hundred of those, you know, probably. You still get the benefits of personalization, but at a greater scale. And then you might have a tier three, which is kind of ABM at scale, you know, which is, you know, basically traditional marketing without individual account personalization, you know, but using account level targeting. So an example of that might be uh, buying display advertising that targets people at accounts that are, you're trying to close. So you have these three tiers, tier one, tier two, tier three, and you, as marketing and sales, you agree on who are the tier ones and what are marketing going to do and what sales going to do. Who are the tier twos and what are we going to do? Who are the tier threes and what are we going to do? That is the foundation for success. When you can start that and get that alignment between marketing and sales up front, you know, if, if that's all you do, you've already set yourself up to be successful with account-based everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense so far? No, it totally makes sense. So, and that's answering the first question, right? Said, which is, who are you going after? Yeah. Now, there's another part to the who, which is also, once you know the accounts, you've got to build out your database with the right contacts. You know, because you're not waiting for them to swim into your net and you're reaching out to them, you have to know who you are. A little bit of a data process to run there. But now once you know who you're going after, the second piece is what can you say that's going to be relevant and resonant with that account? Because here's the thing. that we're, we're talking about going outbound, right? We're talking about spear fishing. We're talking about knocking on strangers' doors. And when you do that badly, it's spam and it's cold calling. And nobody wants that. But if you can take the time to understand the account and reach out to them with something that is helpful and not salesy, that's personalized and relevant to them and not generic, that can actually help them have new ideas about their industry and their business, right? you can actually break through the clutter and connect with people and start building the relationship. So effectively, that's what challenger sales is all about. You know, it's kind of teaching people new ideas and tailoring it to be resonant for them. And so that, requ- that's, that requires work. That requires research. That requires then personalization of your interactions. And that's why you can't do this for every account. It's why you have prioritizing scale. You know, so do the, you know, but for the ones that you can, the ones you focused on, your tier ones and your tier twos, take the time, do the research, understand the account, understand their industry, understand their people, understand your relationships and your connections, and then use all that insight to reach out to them in a more relevant, targeted way. That might then trans- turn itself into content. You know, it might be a completely customized research report. You know, or it might, for a tier two account, be just a simple and white paper where you stick their logo on their cover and slightly customize the first paragraph and the last paragraph. Yeah. Again, the key here is when you reach out, it's relevant and it's present. And then the third step, the where, is now all about reaching out. You know, it's about uh, the, all the different channels you can use whether they're marketing channels, like uh, inviting them to an event or sending them a piece of direct mail, 
I mean, take standard mail for accounting and everything. Just think about how many emails you get per day versus how many packages show up on your desk. You know, that's the proof that, that you know, package, package dimensional mailers can stand out. So, again, for marketing, you have direct mail, you've got events, you can do advertising, you know, targeted account advertising, you can do web personalization. So there's a whole pile of pure marketing channels. But you've got to recognize that if that's all you're doing, you're probably going to only engage with 20% of the account. To really set this account, you also have to have humans do personal outreach. You need to send personal emails, make phone calls, do social connections. And that's where the whole part of sales and sales development comes in. So you've got all these channels and tactics you can use, and the key, we think, is to come up with plays that coordinate and orchestrate all those interactions. When I say play, what I mean is, you know, imagine a football play where there's 11 guys on their side and there's 11 people on your side. All right, so you're not just going after one person, you're going after everybody at the account. And on your side, you don't just have a bunch of linemen, no wide receivers or running backs, you have different roles. So the wide receivers do this, the linemen do this, the running backs do this. And I'm talking about football, that's not clear. <laughs> Sorry for the international audience. Um, but the point being is you've got all these different players and all these different roles, and your most successful you know, play is going to be coordinating what they all do so that you can most effectively move the ball down the field, most effectively engage the account. So the key is once you know who you're going after and what you're going to say to them, is then to run these coordinated plays to actually reach out and connect with the account. Right. Right. No, it, it makes it makes it makes a lot of sense. And I think I think what most marketing and sales teams struggle with is in that coordination piece, right? Because you have marketing who's given a KPI of let's say a lead commit, right? And then marketing will try all kinds of things to hit that lead commit. And then those leads, when they hand over the MQLs to the sales team, the sales team is like, well, th these aren't the, the the type of leads that we need, or the type of leads that convert, or uh, the ones that will actually. Uh, use our software and then you have a customer success team that's going through the implementation and they come back and say all these accounts that you guys have converted are actually leaving us right so the coordination uh, piece of this is, is probably the most vital uh, yeah well, that's right although you know I think a big part of that is the process and and the metrics you know that that you're you're talking about um, and what I mean by that is you know in an account-centric world, you know, you're not going to be having lead commits yeah. right? because that's sort of, that's the, sort of the opposite of account-centric thinking, right? What you're going to do instead is you're going to say, hey, these accounts we care about, how are we engaging with them? Are we, do, we, do we know who the right people are and are they connecting with our brand? You know, are they interacting with us? You know, you've already built out the database. Right with everybody, so you know, quote unquote, generating new leads doesn't even have meaning. So there, there, it is. This is a different way of thinking, right? This is a different way of running your go-to-market. You know, that is about using spheres and not nets. Right, right. So but when uh, you can do well, it. So, so, so talk, talk about that piece about about the the measurement, right? Because the the model that I described is how. 
the phishing with nets operates, right? So wh- right. what are what are what are some KPIs? Like, let's say you were evaluating the performance of all these teams that are coordinating efforts together with an account-based everything yep. program. But what, what would that look like? Yeah, sure. So the the high-level exec summary is don't. This is a quote from David Ogilvy: is don't count the people you reach. Instead, reach the people that count. And that mindset is the mindset to apply to your uh, account-based everything measurement. So we actually have five metrics that we think people should be using uh, in addition to traditional stuff like, did I create pipeline, did I create revenue? The first metric is very simple. It's just coverage. Do we know the right people from the right accounts? Do we have their contact information? Right? Have we done the research to understand who they are? Have we built those account plans? Right? Because if you haven't, then when you can go do that, that's your first sign of success in ABM. Or, you know, that you're, you know, I say ABM because I'm talking about kind of, it's usually marketing's job to build the database and help to build some of those account research. So just step one, coverage. Step two is a, a basic measure of awareness, right? Which is, do these accounts have a heartbeat with us? Have they ever been to our website? Or have they been to our website in the last three months? Have they opened any emails? Have they done anything with us? Right? And if you can even just have a, that again, a minimum threshold of engagement, minimum threshold of awareness, and show that that's going up over time, that's a sign that you're, you're creating more awareness with the accounts that you've all agreed you care about. And then the third metric is the holy grail, and that's engagement. You know, and we measure engagement by time. You know, i.e. a more engaged account is an account that spends more time with you. Time downloading your content, time attending your events, time taking meetings and having phone calls with you. So if you're able to show of all the accounts, let's just say of all the tier two accounts that we've agreed we, we care about, if we're able to show that we're deepening engagement with the right people and the right personas, you know, that's, that's how you prove marketing is succeeding or the company is succeeding with these target accounts. So it's awareness, coverage, and engagement so far. The other two metrics that we look at have to do with how your specific tactics perform. So the next metric is reach or focus. You know, and, and this is, I think, what I really like, you know, because let's say you hold a webinar. And I've heard marketers say, oh, this webinar was great. We had 400 people. All right. And my response is, how many of those people were the right people, the, the right targets from the right companies? And the percentage of the people that were the ones you actually won, that's your measure of focus. And the more focused the marketing program is on the right people from the right accounts, the more efficient it's going to be. Because, you know, let's say you're holding an event, you know, and you're buying drinks for everybody at the end of the event. Every person there that's not one of your targets is costing you money without actually, you know, helping you achieve what you're trying to achieve. And, and would you, and would you would, metric, sorry, and before ahead. we get to the fifth one, would you say that that fourth metric of reach and focus is usually where companies that aren't implementing ABM are wasting a lot of their uh, resources that are allocated for their cost of acquisition metric? 
Well, it depends what your business model is, right? If you're selling $10,000 annual subscriptions, that's not very expensive. You should be fishing with nets, right? Because you're going to need to catch a lot of fish. And you probably have a wide target market. And, you know, so doing broad campaigns can make sense, you know, if you have that wide target audience. But if you've decided that you're doing account-based everything and you've decided to focus on a list of 500 accounts or whatever your list is, then absolutely. Every, every interaction with somebody who's not from one of those accounts is a waste of money, a waste of time. Totally agree with that point. Makes total sense. All right, so yeah, the fifth point. Is impact. So this is all about looking for correlation and not attribution. What I mean by that is, you know, a lot of marketers will try to measure marketing ROI by doing attribution, i.e. splitting up the value of a deal across all the marketing programs that touched it. The problem with that is in, in account fix everything is these are big deals with long cycles and there are going to be a lot of touches across a lot of people. And so I think trying to do attribution ends up being false precision. Just trying to put something up across you know, 30 different touches. So that's why we think about correlation instead. And what I mean by that is, you, let's just say you hold an event. Now, for all the accounts that had somebody who attended that event, did those accounts end up having a better win rate than your average account? If so, I think you can therefore credibly say that that event had a positive impact on winners. Right. And it's looking for those correlations, you know, that matter. Let's say you hold, held a, a, you did another marketing program. You sent a piece of direct mail. And after that direct mail was delivered, you know, $1.2 million of pipeline that was scheduled to close in Q3 ended up closing in Q2. Right. You can't say that that direct mail directly caused that, but you can certainly make, I think, a reasonable inference that it influenced it. So those are the five metrics, coverage, awareness, engagement, reach, and impact. And the mnemonic I use to remember those is if you shuffle them around, it stands for I care. So you can say that, that I care about your ABM metrics. Right. And then when we're talking about, you know, impact, you're also talking about things like deal velocity and ACV and retention and NPS and things like that as well, right? It, you can use it for any outcome metric. Right. 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 You know, did this this thing that we did end up having a statistical you know impact on this other thing that we care about? Mm -hmm. And and so so you know you said something interesting on on my last question where you were talking about hey if your if your ACV is ten thousand dollars maybe ABM is not the right strategy maybe you should be fishing with the net. So uh, what in your opinion is the the right kind of company for who account based everything is is a solution? Yep. So I think if you go back to my tiers, well, so in, you know, in general, you know, I think the tier one approach, which is, again, deep research, deeply customized accounts and so on, you know, that's probably $250,000 and up, you know, the deals that are worth that much to make that kind of approach uh, really, really um, make sense. And again, maybe it's not 250,000. Um, 
uh, all at once, but maybe that's sort of the lifetime value or the potential value. So tier two, where you're doing light research, but specific targeting, you know, against them, maybe that's, you know, 30,000, 40,000, $50,000 and up, you know, something like that, where those deal sizes, that kind of approach makes sense. For your tier three, you know, where, again, you're still targeting specific named accounts, even if you're not really doing as much personalization, you're still probably going to want to have a reasonable deal size, you know, probably ballpark 25K and higher, maybe $20,000 and higher, you know, to kind of make that, that work. Uh, anything below that, I just don't think that it's going to ever make sense to do account-centric targeting. You know, so you as a company may decide that you do some fishing with nets and some tier three account-centric stuff, and that's right for you. And another company might say, we only care about tier one and tier two because there are only 250 companies in the world that can ever buy our product. Right. And I can give an example of the audience's RACV is well below $10,000. And um, uh, But we see account-based marketing coming into play in one particular area where uh, we, we serve membership-based organizations like, let's say, Toastmasters, and we have a few of them using our platform. And if we can leverage that as like an advocacy play and then get all the other thousands of Toastmasters accounts out there, then it actually yep. reaches those higher tiers. But without that, then it makes total sense to just go the uh, fishing with nets route. Yeah, I think, I think you know, that's a good example of another class where even if the deals are smaller, you have a defined universe. Uh, you know, so, and oftentimes where you see that happening actually is in customers trying to do cross-sell and account expansion. You know, by definition, it's their, the defined universe is their existing customer base. Right. You know, so even, even if they, the deal sizes are smaller, they're probably going to use account-centric tactics because they only need to reach those specific customers. Right. And an even better example, uh, the last uh, podcast episode we held was with uh, Heather Fay, who's the VP of Customer Advocacy at Vision Critical. And she was talking about they, they go after, let's say, the product team of P&G. Uh, they might leverage that to get a hold of the product team of another category at Procter & Gamble, right? So that, that same play, they, they're marketing entirely to P&G the whole time, but they might land five, six different sets of customers by running a campaign like that. Yep. I think mean, that makes total sense. Um, you know, I think advocate marketing is a, is a channel and a tactic you can use to achieve many goals. You can use it to support your account-based marketing efforts. You can use it to support your demand gen fishing with a net efforts. You can use it to support other customer marketing activities. Um, I think the, the intersection points is there's two. You know, the first is you may... You have a limited number of bullets to spend from using your advocate, i.e. reference calls and so on. And so, you know, as you design account-centric plays, you know, sometimes one of the, the players on your field uh, you might use might be your advocate. You know, and so you can use them as part of your account-centric activities. I think the other place where these two ideas intersect is you may use account-centric thinking in terms of developing your advocates. What I mean by that specifically, for example, is I've seen all too often at a company 
one of your customers, you have a single person who is your top advocate. So you have a customer, but one person is your advocate. But then what happens is that person leaves or gets promoted, or maybe they're just on vacation, you know, and now you don't have your advocate anymore, even though this customer is just as happy and just as successful as they were right before that. And so account-centric thinking can help you think about how to develop and nurture your advocates and make sure that you're not single-threading your advocacy processes. Right. That's, those are two uh, great insights there. Um, last piece, I want to just talk a little bit about Engageo, right? So um, talk about how it would fit into a company's marketing stack and uh, specifically a company that's going after account-based everything as a core part of their strategy and what, what value it brings, let's say, to somebody that is using Marketo as Salesforce. Yep. Well, we have three, three main solutions. Our, our core solution is, our, is just our, our, our account-based platform. And the, you know, the core thing that that does more than anything else is it layers on an account-centric lens onto your existing data. It finds the leads that you have in Salesforce that aren't connected to accounts, and it matches them to the right account. And then it, it writes that data into Salesforce that way, you know, you, you don't have that classic problem of all these leads that don't have any relationship to accounts. Um, and that works with Marketo and Salesforce. And then it also brings an account-centric lens to your email history. Because one of the things you want to know before you interact with an account is who else from my company has emailed or had meetings with anybody from that company. And, you know, as you know, sales reps don't always log every email and every meeting in Salesforce. So our platform gives you visibility into all that history with an account-centric lens. On top of the platform, you can buy our account-based marketing analytics, which effectively is, uh, brings those five metrics we talked about before and lets you run analysis on those. So how's my coverage? How's my engagement? How's my focus and reach? Those types of things. And then our last product, which is our newest one, is Engage Your Playmaker which lets you design and then run those, those plays that I've been talking about that orchestrate the SDR interaction, you know, the, the personalized emails SDR sends with touches from marketing and your sales team and executives and so on. So it's all very complementary to an existing marketing platform like Marketo, but again, it brings in the outbound and account-centric activities you need to really be doing account-based everything. Yeah, I love it. Um, so uh, as we wrap up here, do you have any uh, final thoughts that you want to share? Well, you know, I'm certainly, you know, I've, I've been a big advocate of being everything account-based, but what I'm really pushing when I talk about that is, you know, the focus and the relevance that you get from being account-based because at the end of the day, you know, I don't like crappy cold calling or, or spam or, or irrelevant marketing any more than the next guy. As a matter of fact, I'm probably more critical of it. And what I'm so excited about is that as we bring this account-centric thinking to the table, we're really raising the bar on how relevant and useful companies can be. And I think that's, that's something I find very exciting. 
Mm-hmm. And last but not least for me, John, I uh, just want to show you some appreciation for doing this today. And I've been following your work and engage you along for a while. And I uh, really want to show you appreciation for being an advocate about this customer-centric approach because I think we need more of that within the marketing and sales world. So uh, thanks a lot for doing this. Thank you. It's been fun. That's it for today's episode, guys. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes and to check us out at www.howtosass.com. And we will see you next time.